Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for joining us today. I do have a special announcement. We have a new church member here at Lighthouse. This is June McDonald, June Haven McDonald. And she's so cute. Uh, born to Grace and Drew McDonald on Friday night at 10.34 p.m., 7.6 pounds, 19.5 inches. Super cute, super cute. This is how we grow our church, guys. <laughs> Come on, Rick and Hope. Let's go. We'll get with the program. <laughs> yeah, you just see Rick's face right now. <laughs> that was really funny. All right. Speaking of having children... Uh, Valentine's Day was this past week, right? <laughs> Guys, did you remember that? It was just this, it was this past week. Um, it was estimated that uh, $25.9 billion was spent on Valentine's Day. $25.9 billion. And those that were spending candy, you guys can kind of check to see if you did well on this. It said that 57% bought candy. They spent, uh, those who were spending money bought candy. Um, 40% bought greeting cards. There were 145 million cards sent or given, second only to Christmas on Valentine's Day. Um, 37% bought flowers. I did some flowers. I was part of that 37%. Didn't do much else, but I did that. Um, <clears throat> An evening out, 32% jewelry, uh, gift cards, clothing, kind of wrapped it all up. Um, so Valentine's Day. So where did Valentine's Day come from? It wasn't a Hallmark holiday. It was actually before, I think, Hallmark created it. But according to legend, I did a little research this week, uh, St. Valentine uh, was, a, was supposedly a priest who served in Rome during the 3rd century. And Emperor Claudius II decided that single men fought better in the wars than married men. And so he outlawed marriage so he would have better soldiers. But St. Valentine supposedly defied the order and was doing secret weddings for these young men on the side. And it cost him his head on February 14th. Um, a long time ago. That, so that was one of the <laughs> one of the rumors, one of the legends. Another one um, was that it was a, a legend. I mean, a uh, another Valentine. He was a bishop put to death by the same emperor. And then a third legend has an imprisoned Valentine falling in love with the jailer's daughter. And before his death, he sent a letter signed from your valentine so that's the legend of valentine's day now it, it, we may not really know where it came from it's a little confusing but one thing we do know 
it's about romantic relationships, right? Romantic relationships. And romantic relationships are incredibly important uh, in our society, in our world today. Uh, they can break your hearts, right? Anybody had their heart broken by romantic relationship? Um, they can give us incredible joy as well. So romantic relationships are really, really important. And so whether or not we're in one or we have no interest in one at this time, um, they do affect us and they are important in our world and we're going to talk about them today. So our message series is titled All In, Giving Life All We Got. And the idea behind this is that, hey, we only have one life. We might as well give it everything we got to become all that we can be. And last week, we uh, taught a message, Esther and I taught a message titled, Going All In With Our Families. And what it looks like, what it means to go all in with all of those family relationships that we have. So if you missed it, you can go online and watch it off of our website. But today, we're going to look at what does it look like to go all in with our romantic relationships? to not take them for granted, to make sure that we are handling them well. Now, this message today was a challenge for me um, because I wanted it to be for everyone, not just those who are married. So whether you are single and looking, talking, talking, right, uh, in a relationship, married, divorced, widowed, or not interested, my hope is that this message has something for all of us because the romantic relationships around us or, you know, in our own lives, they matter, and we should be aware of them. So today we're going to look at all of them. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you want to turn there, it's in the New Testament. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this to the church in Corinth, and this is known as the love chapter, the love chapter, which I thought was appropriate as we're talking about Valentine's Day a little bit. I'm going to read the first eight verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all, mat all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here's the definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and then the beginning of verse 8, love never fails. We're going to use that as our model today as we talk about going all in with dating and marriage. Dating and marriage, and I would even add singleness to that as well. We're going to talk about that. So I'll give us some thoughts on that, but first let me pray. Lord, you created us to have these romantic relationships or to see the romantic relationships around us, Lord. 
And uh, Lord, they're, they're sometimes pretty difficult to navigate. And we can, we can approach them incorrectly or we can take them for granted. We can even ruin them. So Lord, I pray today that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you. And Lord, I pray that you would give me your words to speak. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just three thoughts about what it means to go all in with dating and marriage. And our students are not here today, so parents of all those, well, we have some students that are here, uh, but parents of students, make sure you're taking good notes so they can preach this to them when they get home later tonight. All right, so going all in with dating and marriage means, first of all, dating shouldn't be self-focused. It shouldn't be self-focused. Now, I, I really wish that someone had shared that with me when I was in high school. And maybe they tried to, and I just wasn't listening. But my approach to dating in high school was extremely self-focused. I was just about, okay, whatever girl would make me happy, what she could do for me, it was not about anything other than what I wanted in those relationships. And as I looked back at them, I just saw that they were incredibly unhealthy because as soon as they weren't making me happy anymore, I would move on to the next girl and on to the next girl and on to the next girl. Um, my, roman ro my romantic relationships in high school were all about me. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, it, it's talking about love, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. So when we're talking about dating, dating should not be self-focused. It shouldn't be all about what's in it for me. Now, I would say this is, this is kind of difficult to navigate because one of the main reasons that we would date is because we are looking for who is good for us, right? We're looking for that lifelong, that potential lifelong partner. But it's really, really easy to look at dating as I just want them to make me happy. That's my focus. It is helpful, and I would say this, to determine if this person is someone that might be your lifelong partner. I mean, and, and honestly, that's, that's not just self-focused. That is them-focused too, right? Because if, if you're not going to be, or if they're not going to be a lifelong partner, it's good to decide that early and not waste each other's time in the dating. Another thought on, on not being self-focused is that we shouldn't be looking so much at their qualities as much as we're looking at our qualities. You know, not what do they have to offer to me, but what do I have to offer to them? You know, that's part of dating. So dating should be thinking about their interests. So I should be looking at myself and becoming the best version of myself. How am I doing? Am I healthy financially? Am I healthy relationally? Am I healthy emotionally? And of course, am I healthy spiritually? So when we focus on our attributes and, and making ourselves more healthy, then we are actually considering those that we may be dating, either now or in the future. Now, 
I had some advice that I gave to my kids during dating, when they were dating, and uh, this isn't necessarily straight from Scripture, I'll just tell you that. This is just the advice that I gave, but it, it has some wisdom behind it. Um, and, and again, this is, we're just talking about dating right now, and this is a way to approach it. So first of all, um, what I told my kids is I said, uh, going out with a group of friends can be a lot of fun. You know, dating, you know, when you're trying to find that forever mate, it can put a lot of pressure on the romantic side of it. And, you know, a great way to get to know somebody and find out whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with them is to hang out with them in groups. You don't have to put the pressure of being one-on-one. And so my kids did a lot of that. They hung out in groups and had a lot of fun, took a lot of pressure off. Secondly, don't get romantically involved if you don't think the relationship will go anywhere. I wish I would have had this advice in high school, right? I mean, there were, there were girls that I knew I would never think about marrying, but I would date them anyway, and that wasn't healthy. That wasn't healthy. So if you, if you don't think that this is a lifelong partner, don't get romantically involved because somebody's going to get hurt. Um, don't date someone hoping they will change. Evangelistic dating doesn't work. I've tried it. I, I've actually only seen it work one time with a, a friend of mine. That's right. You can only change yourself. No, I mean, so many times, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen these young ladies. It tends to be the young ladies. I don't know why, but they're like, oh, no, I know he's going to change. I'm just going to keep dating him until he changes. Well, I'm going to marry him. Because I think he'll change, and we're married, and we have 16 kids, and he hasn't changed yet. I don't <laughs> understand. So, you know, it's just one of the things, again, you know somebody who's, who's dating, or if you're in a dating or wanting to date, um, don't date someone hoping they will change. Be friends with them. Wait till they change before you get romantically involved. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I mean, this was huge when we were talking to our kids about dating. I'm like, if they're not followers of Christ, do not get involved with them. Because once you get romantically involved, your brain turns off. And you start to justify, oh, the, they're not so bad. They only get drunk every other weekend. You know, I mean, just you like start to make things up and justify it. So um, if they're not a follower of Christ, I, I always told my kids, if you're going to date someone, date someone that's even further in their walk with Christ than you are, you know? I mean, just go, go down that path. And then the last one I always gave my kids and, and other people too is just stay pure, stay pure in your relationship. Um, no quicker way to sabotage your relationship is to get involved physically before you're... Uh, before you have a covenant agreement of marriage. So hanging out in groups will help with that. So that's a quick, some quick thoughts on dating, okay, which isn't everybody in here, but several people in here. I do want to take some time and talk about marriage, though. Going all in with dating and marriage means our marriages deserve our best. And I can't stress this enough. Our marriages deserve our best. If we were going to go, we're doing this message series about going all in, and we're talking about different relationships here near the end. 
But this relationship, if you're married, you, you just have to go all in with this relationship. This is mandated by God, and we just have to go completely in on this. Um, verses 4 through 8 says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the definition of love. So I want you to think about it, if you're married, in the context of your marriage. And I don't want you to be thinking about what your spouse and how they approach you. I want you to be thinking about your love and the definition of your love towards your spouse. Okay? Now, if you're single, I want you to be thinking about your love towards other people because Jesus told us to love others as ourselves. And so if you're, if you're not married, you can be thinking about this in the context of your love towards other people. But what I want to do is I want to read this together, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, uh, out loud. But I'm going to substitute love with the word I, okay? Like instead of saying love is patient, I want to say I am patient. So if you're married, I want you to be thinking in the context of your relationship to your spouse. If you're single, I want you to be thinking about your relationship with your friends and family. But I want to say this together. And as we say it, I want you to be testing the truth of these statements. Okay? Just how does it feel? All right? So let's just say this together. I'm going to put this on the screen. Here we go. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy I do not boast. I am not proud. I do not dishonor others. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. I always protect. I always trust. I always hope. I always persevere. I never fail. That hurts a little, doesn't it? When you think about that's how we're supposed to love those around us, it was, it was hard for me. I was doing that this week, and I, I just substituted my name in, and, and I'm like, you know, Clint is patient, Clint is kind, and I'm like, oh, man, that's hard. That's not always true. And then there at the very end, you know, they, they say, don't, don't ever use always or never. And here we are saying, I always protect, I always trust, I always hope, I always persevere, I never fail. Man, that's rough. So if you're in a, a marriage, this is the standard that we're supposed to strive for with our spouses. This is how we are supposed to love our spouses. And I will tell you, you can't do it if you don't go all in. You've got to give your marriage everything you got. That's the standard that God has for us. I believe that no one gets married hoping for a mediocre marriage or a failed marriage, right? None of us do. We get married hoping for the best. We want the best relationship we can possibly have. Paul said this, 
because I know that we can't be perfect in our marriages, but we can continue to press on. And he said this, he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul wasn't perfect, and he knew it. And if you felt a little bit of conviction when you read that out loud, and you recognize you're not perfect, it's okay, but let us press on towards perfection when it comes to our marriages. Our spouses deserve it. There isn't another relationship on this planet, if you're married, that is more important than your relationship with your spouse. Now, some of you are thinking, well, wait a second, what about my, my kids? Right, your spouse needs to come before your kids. And they need to see that. They need to see that. You need to model that marriage is more important than even parenting. It takes a lot of effort to have a good marriage. Now, my first marriage I failed in, and, uh, and I vowed I wouldn't fail again. And so I've worked really, really hard uh, since Rose and I have been married for 17 years. And one of the things that we, we decided early on is that we were going to invest into our marriage because you get what you, you get out of your marriage what you put into it. That's just the way it works. And so every year we have just told each other, we're going to do something to invest in our marriage, whether it's a, a marriage retreat, we're going to watch some marriage videos, take a class, read a book, whatever it might be. And uh, we haven't always done it. I don't think not, maybe not every single year. But we always, almost always, have something that we're investing in. And by the way, the marriage night is one of those things where we're going to be investing into our marriages. So I would really encourage you, if you're married, to sign up for that. Marriage is worth the effort, and our marriages deserve our very best. Deserve our very best. All right, and then this last point, I, I don't want to leave you off the hook if you're single, so this is your last feeling. Singleness is not a curse, okay? Singleness is not a curse. Back in uh, 2000, I was going through a divorce, found myself a single parent, and uh, during that time, I was, I was a single parent for six years, and uh, I was thinking, you know, I just want to be married, that's what I thought. The whole time, I'm like, this is awful. I don't want to be single. I just want to be married. I don't want to be alone that whole time. But as I look back at those six years, I realize that being single was not a curse. It actually had some benefits. Um, I spent a lot of time with my single friends. You know, I mean, it's hard to do that when you're married, <laughs> right? So I got to hang out a lot with my single friends during that time. I actually learned to play the guitar while I was single. I was home alone a lot after the kids went to bed. And so um, I picked up the guitar and taught myself to play it. It took me a year to learn four chords and two songs. <laughs> and I played almost every night. It was terrible. But I can play the guitar now. Um, I attended almost every church service. I mean, like, if there was an event going on, I went to it. I didn't have to ask, what are we doing? I knew. I just asked myself, what am I doing, you know? And so I went. I went to, our church had two services. I went to both. 
every, every Sunday, I sat in the front row, and I'm just like, what's he going to say different this time? You know, I just, I hung out at church and was able to go to all of them. I started going on men's wilderness trips. Uh, you guys know I lead those now. Um, but yeah, 23 years ago, I, start, I went on my first men's wilderness trip, and uh, it's been life-changing for me, you know, to be able to do that. I started hunting with my dad, and you guys know I love to hunt now, but that all started. So there were some real benefits during my singleness. So being single is not a curse. The Apostle Paul was single, and, and I would say that he liked being single. I mean, if you read through the Scripture, he would say, you know, Scripture says it's good to be married. If you found a wife, you found a good thing. The Apostle Paul is kind of like, yeah, I heard that. This single thing is pretty good for me. That's what he says. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to read this section. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord to, in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And then in verse 38, he says, So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. We know what Paul thought, right? <laughs> you, you, you guys are all right being married, but this is a good gig, is what he was saying. Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament. Paul traveled over 10,000 miles on months-long mission trips all over Europe and Asia. Paul had a unique close, personal relationship with Christ. His freedom to serve Christ wholeheartedly as a single person, I think, played into all of that. So if you're single today, man, don't think of it as a curse. It's an opportunity. Now again, maybe you, one day you will be married. I mean, that could happen. And, and being married is a blessing. But being single is also a blessing. That's your last villain there. Singleness opens the door to blessing. Because we can be a blessing to God. We can be a blessing to others as well. You know, if you're single... Bless others. Use 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at that and say, how am I treating those around me? And bless them. Bless them. You can help them move. You can go hang out, you know, if uh, late at night. I mean, when I, was, when I was single, I started a singles group called Gen X. You guys know I'm part of Generation X? I don't know if you knew that. I felt like a millennial, but I think I'm actually Gen X. Um, but I started a group, and we would go out to Nick's patio and you know, have, have coffee, whatever, late at night. You know, there's things you can do as a single person that's a little harder to do once you're married. There's this revival happening down in Kentucky. You could just go. Just 
drive down there and hang out and do it. You can babysit someone else's kids. You can do street evangelism. See, being, a single, being single is not a curse. It, it can be a blessing to both yourself, to the Lord, and to the people around you. So going all in with dating and marriage means, first of all, that dating shouldn't be self-focused, that our marriages deserve our best, and of course, that singleness is not a curse. Let's all stand. Come on up, Matt. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.